Welcome to the I Want More Comics and Games podcast, recorded at I Want More Comics and Games, a local comic store in Thornton, Colorado. You can reach us by phone at 303-460-7226 or on all social media platforms. Thank you and enjoy the show. yonder in the sky now, what is that I pray? It's a bird, it's a plane, it's a man insane, it's my president LBJ. He's flying high, we're up in the sky. But I have got a little piece of kryptonite. Yes, I'll bring it back to land. Said, come out, Linden, with your hands held high. Drop your guns, baby, and reach for the sky. I've got you surrounded and you ain't got a chance. Send you back to Texas, make you work on your ranch. Yeah, yeah. Hello, hello, and welcome to the I Want More Comics and Games podcast. I'm Richie. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. And that starts us off. Let's get going. We have so much to do today. Let's hit the news. One of the things about the news is some things that are up and coming for the store itself. Uh, one of the big announcements uh, when this is actually being recorded, um, a release is coming out for Magic the Gathering. It is a new set called Crimson Vow. And the little I know about it, Keith, is that it's about, um, I think, Bram Stoker's Dracula's got a theme in it. So it? Magic, uh, I want to say it's about eight years ago, um, first uh, visited. They they tell the story across planes. Right. Right. So and the whole idea of inside of it is that Magic from the beginning is that you're you're this grand guy, a planeswalker who can walk across different worlds. Okay. Uh, they created planeswalkers also inside the game, and mm-hmm. they become a major story element uh, characters inside that. We visited, like I said, about eight years ago, we visited the plane Innistrad. Oh, and right. Innistrad is based upon werewolves, vampires, things like this. Yes. In fact, the last time we visited there, um, a couple years back, uh, it got real ugly and was invaded by Cthulhu-like yes. kind of stuff. Yes, Eldrazi, I think, Yes, right? it was. Now we're back to just Where dealing with... Where started. Yeah, <laughs> <That's, this laughs> that was the early days one, for yeah. you, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, now we're back to uh, focusing on the werewolf, uh, vampire... Um, human battle and struggle and all this. Yes. And they've done two sets back-to-back that are using Innistrad as the scene for the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, uh, the first one was uh, Midnight Hunt, focused in, uh, focused upon the werewolf right, and creating a little bit different mechanics there. Now we're focusing upon the vampire side because there will be a wedding. Ooh. And uh, the planeswalker Soren Markov... Yes. Uh, looks to be getting married to Olivia Voldaren. Oh, snap. So here's the thing about it. Magic uh, at, at the very beginning and base, you know, used creatures and sure. used spells and did things. They learned quickly that um, making the, the story more intricate, making it more robust. They wrote books. They wrote, you know, uh, that stuff has migrated to being online. And now they even do theatrical level trailers for every one they of these do. sets. They do. I love the trailers that come out with the sets. So they're really, really into telling lore at the same point in time. I think it's something that really they they saw, obviously, the lore success that you can see in Dungeons & Dragons, owned by the same company, <laughs> and that they could turn around and build upon that. So um, story matters. Matters a lot about uh, the flavor. It's kind of matter. It doesn't really. I don't think the story matters for the gameplay. You still are playing creatures and spells and things like right. that. But, right. Um, okay. Uh, does this well, one? Does this set have the cool flip cards too? Uh, n- I. You know what? I haven't even looked at the full spoiler. Okay. This is I, what I know, you do I when you yeah. start cutting out time. <laughs> I, I know but, that the the first set had the flips, so, so I'm wondering because like in basically it's like your human form and then. 
a werewolf form and kind of one of like the that. big deals about this set is is that they're way, they went back to box toppers. Um, mm-hmm. So if you buy a sealed booster box, you're also going to get a bonus box topper. What the bonus box topper are is uh, from a selection of small amount of cards. I think it's 15, 18, somewhere in that area. It is an alternate version of the card. These will then be very focused upon um, lore outside of magic. Mm-hmm. So as an example, Dracula is a card. Right. It's really just the Soren card. Right. But, you know, like it's different That's where I art. got the Dracula thing. Gotcha. Yeah. So they did this uh, uh, two years ago with Ikoria where they brought in uh, Godzilla. Right. And they had right. the Godzillas that were uh, part of the monsters, the monstrosities. Oh, yeah. Um, they, they're so nice looking too. Yeah. <laughs> People love them. This is amazingly good art on these and um, has brought a lot of attention. That's uh, excellent. For people collecting the set. All right. Well, sweet. That Looking forward to that kind of theme and playing into that. We'll move from that nightmare to a potential other nightmare. But this nightmare is based in reality. It is uh, <laughs> happening right now as we speak with all of... We had a full podcast based on distribution for this and I was, I'm yeah. really happy to put that to bed what and be happens? like, nothing more could happen. We're <laughs> good. Every, bad happens. Everything's fine. Um... Uh, something bad happened, and now we got to talk about it. Would this be the what if come to reality? <laughs> yes, Diamond Distributors, uh, who we know is um, a, a pretty big distributor of the comic book industry, um, one of the Godfathers for sure. And now they seem to have had a little hiccup in the IT department. What what happened here? Well, last uh, Friday, and since people watch this, you know, listen to this podcast at different times, let's use dates so you kind of do it. But, uh, Friday, November 5th, um, everybody woke up and diamond was down, you know, couldn't get into it's in Fridays are typically a day that we, we really do care about getting into diamond. That's when the, the final order cutoff, the FOC, yep. That is uh, finalized on Friday at noon, and okay. we all get to take a look at you know what new second prints are out there, what uh, covers are being given to us for uh, special you know uh, variants. And it's where I start making a couple things that are in the uh, I Want More Comics comic talk on Facebook group. Yeah, you know we the play it again where we focus on the second prints and Absolutely. the FOC hype where we can turn around and have that. You and I dance in that a lot, so this is an important day. Yeah, so instead of the system being up, it was down, and, and you know, technical that happens. stuff happens. Sure. But after a while, it's not coming back up, and people are starting, stores are starting to freak out and, and worry about this system. What it turns out is that uh, the information that's been released by Diamond, um, this is public. This is they've yeah, created a new website. Talking to, out of school here. No, they've created a new website to actually keep everybody up to date about this because uh, they've been very good and transparent about the details. But they suffered a ransomware attack. Oh, no. Yeah, which obliterated. Obliterated them. Oh, no. So that locks up everything. Typical rules of a ransomware attack. And yeah. I'll speak to this not specifically to diamonds because I don't know the technical sure. details there. But typically what works on that is that somebody clicked on the wrong email link. Somebody let something in, a bad program, and it then will turn around and encrypt systems, data, hard drives, whatever it is, and make it unaccessible. And then they hold it hostage until you pay the ransom yeah, fee. Whatever they want you to pay. <laughs> wow. Okay. So that's a typical rule. Uh, the way you get past it without having to pay the fees is that you will then turn around and reset your systems, uh, reinstall everything, and move back to backups that you feel are at a safe enough point where you're not going to have just the same software running all around again. 
Okay. So um, through the weekend, they were working on uh, data recovery, data restoration. They were turning around and bringing systems back up online. They were putting up new systems because, again, some of the, the tainted, tampered with stuff, maybe you don't want to get right back into that. And um, uh, sometime on Sunday, systems started coming back. Now, that's not, you think about it as like being two days delayed. That's not terrible in terrible. life. Yeah. But it's not all back. It's right. not everything is 100% yet. And um, the problem with it is, is that Diamond is designed as a almost seven days a week type operation. Right. So that will throw monkey wrenches into some of the uh, deliveries, some of the shipping, some of the receiving. Because <laughs> we don't that. have any of those type of problems anyway. And Diamond, <laughs> this, expand, this expanded beyond Diamond. This is both Diamond Comics Distribution and Alliance Gaming, which are both owned by the same company. Ah. So systems inside this locked up. <laughs> Went to wow. this, and you know, like obviously, they're still te- they're still getting through this to find out the whole scope and problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I asked a direct question about, hey, what about some of our personal information on there about the store, about <laughs> where I make question. payments? Yeah. You know, like they have my I mean, bank a, account information. Kind of important, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would think so. Well, it's it was very easy for the for this weekend to skip sleeping. You know, with, <laughs> yeah. with yeah. This, these Again, concerns. Keith is up at night staring at his ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, uh, I did get a very good answer back from okay. uh, one of the vice presidents over at Diamond that it looks like it is not affecting um, what I would be the most concerned about. It's They don't think anybody got any data out. They think it was just a lock kind of thing. And mm-hmm. um, it does seem like uh, uh, even the data that they could have gotten the access to is no better than if you'd picked up a business card from us. Right. What's our name? What's okay. our address? Okay. Things like that. Maybe you know our diamond account number out there on the dark internet Ooh. now. <laughs> I don't think that gets you very far. No, no I do know that the uh, the retailer um, as a, a mass is a uh, very uh, angsty when it comes about any information going out because there was a huge <laughs> argument about numbers going out to new distributing companies. Um, so I can tell that everybody was in a panic. I'm glad to hear that at least at those ends, those were kind of locked up. Uh, but it does look like it's going to be a tiny bit of a slowdown. Um, not nearly as big of a hiccup as what we're dealing with worldwide, but still a hiccup with, you know, well, kind of involved in many other hiccups. something that's real welcome either. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there were... Hey, we lo- need this. No, we don't need this. There was locations this week that did not get their books on time right. uh, because of this. Uh, Baltimore area was hit. Uh, I believe Dallas was hit with that. Um, it's It has to do with, again, some of the people that are closest to the distribution centers got there. They're the last ones to leave, obviously, because of tr- yeah. commute times. Uh, and so those turned around. And when nothing went on on Friday, like it should have, because the systems were dead and down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, that That's that really threw affect. things up. Yep. All right. Well, let's talk about something more fun then. Do you want to go with that? Yeah, let's do that. All right. So I'm talking about the scary and spooky and awful. Let's talk about. The scary and spooky and awful new Batman trailer that dropped during DC's fandom that happened this weekend. Wait, no. We weren't, yeah. we weren't supposed to watch that, right? <laughs> Everybody was supposed to watch that. It was mandatory. Um, DC oh, fandom. I failed. <laughs> DC fandom, for those who don't know, this is the second year they've done it. It's basically like a Comic-Con focused for DC Comics. Uh, with it being completely virtual on a Saturday, they kind of give you about six hours worth of like, look what's coming and kind of like a hype train. Not a ton of comic book talk, which I would prefer, but uh, a lot of their big mass Hollywood um, uh, shows. Uh, One of the first ones they showed was um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson and his new uh, Black Adam film. 
Are you guys excited about this film? You think it'll be good? You think it works with the Shazam? You guys have seen Shazam, right? Huh? Shazam? Shazam? Huh? If I Captain had, Marvel if I for had older a, folks. A cricket soundboard. <laughs> I, I figured right that <laughs> Richie's DC fandom covered yeah. all of us. That's what I was uh, thinking. I too. thought, <laughs> I you thought didn't this was that oh. the fandom happens every Saturday when I'm at work, right? Yeah. I know you Doing can work stuff. You can see it. No. And can't. and it's been available since then. On your two days off, you could just go back and watch it. I never have to worry about making a plan to go see this because it's going to get brought to me anyway. That's correct. By monkey boy over here. Yeah, that's, <laughs> he's I, got his two symbols in his hand. And he's just like. <laughs> that's not. <laughs> three octaves higher. I, I will go a little higher. I start talking like Mickey Mouse when I get excited. Oh, or angry. Hey, guys. <laughs> but, about fandom? Oh. Wrong company. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, get, you get taken down. Be careful with that. Um. So DC fandoms, uh, black. they don't have a ton. They showed like a little clip of this is going to be a darker, grittier, a lot grittier than um, Shazam. So. Uh, Shazam had its moments, like there were disintegrations and stuff of human beings, but this one seems a little... Not okay. <laughs> it's seems not as kitty is all I'm saying. Um, but it is a huge dynamic change from um, Zach... I want to say Zach Levi, but I don't think that's right. Zachary Levi? The, is, that, is that Shazam? Yeah. Okay. I sure. nailed it. Boom. I was, I'm guessing. You're but like, Look at that. Uh, that's a huge, it's it's very uh, night and day. And in a way, that's kind of the how that dynamic works in, in general. So it could work together. It'll be interesting to see what they do with that. The trailer after that, we talk about Flashpoint, or the Flash is what they're going to call it, but it's basically Flashpoint they're doing for the Flash movie. Um that just began filming. They only had a few clips, but they did show us that they are definitely going to be bringing all sorts of different alternate versions of Flash, and in that case, also alternate versions of Batman. For those that are in the comic books, Flashpoint Batman, usually we kind of go to Bat-Dad. Tommy. <laughs> Tommy Daddy. Um, but Thomas Wayne does not look like the fo- focal point here. It's actually uh, the cinematic Bat-Dad, which is Michael Keaton's Batman, seems to be the focal the focal point. They have the the old manor. They showed the the new Batmobile or the old Batmobile that is, and uh, kind of put the screen behind his head. So, uh, Michael Keaton Batman back into the film. Very interesting. Um, I, I just don't know what to feel about it. A lot of people are worried. Like, are we just gonna make a Batman like film? Thirty years. Well, yeah, they're gonna. <laughs> are we just gonna make a Batman film and call it Flash? <laughs> and that's a that's a fair concern. But I don't think it'll be Batman. Centric. Call I it think the that's button. Just, that's well, just if cool. they decide to do another, buttons a very good. How did Batman become Batman storyline in this Flash movie? I'm out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the pearls drop again. Yeah, I'm good on that. Well, I don't what ever if, need to see that. What again. if the pearls are falling and then they stop in midair and then go backwards because the Flash is messing with time? Huh? Yeah, maybe. All right, maybe all right. I, I got you. Then, of course, the creme de la creme, de la creme was uh, the Batman. Matt Reeves' version, our new uh, established Batman, which I have been told is now the most emo we'll ever see Batman. He's got hardcore <laughs> guy liner. Alfred's like... Guy liner? Yeah. That's a thing? That's a definite <laughs> thing. Um, Alfred's like, oh wow. my God, Bruce, you're going to hurt yourself. And he's like, I just want to punch bad guys till they kill me. Leave me alone. My parents died. God. <laughs> but Stop yelling at me, Dad. <laughs> you don't understand. Um, I'll, I'll say that I'm of course a hundred percent on board. It would take a lot for me to be out. I understand that, but it does take a lot for me to get very excited for a new Batman genre because I do feel like we don't embrace the other heroes. So in this case, uh, I really am very happy with the very first shot is like uh, a diner and Riddler's in the diner and it's just 
the whole thing creates a mood and I really like cinematography in my films and this feels like it's going to bring that out in spades. So very happy. I, I wish you guys saw it. It's really cool. I don't know if I saw the trailer. Well then tell me what you think about it. No, <laughs> you're not in. You don't want you don't. <laughs> So I'm going to reserve any judgment because trailers don't do anything for me. I know honestly. they don't. They really don't. I, no. I could watch trailers all damn day and I, I'm not going to care at all. Mm. I really am not. I just, I'm not a trailer guy. So for me, it's it, we'll probably end up going and seeing it, and that's when I'll actually base judgment. Right, right. When I when I watch the movie, I'll go, oh, okay, you know, this was pretty good. Or uh, I'm not like you; I get excited so, about things. <laughs> I, I mean, I get excited about things, but it's usually music related, ah, not movie related. So I'm I'm much more interested. In the, the The thing about trailers and where they kind of are just there to me now, sure, is that they're they're just such. There's somebody's idea of what the focus needs to be, it's your right? Hype, it's, all, it's all just hype machine, just so people like Richie can go, oh, my God. Well, no, I mean, somebody <laughs> will carry somebody, me for the, till it releases. Thank somebody you. somebody makes a decision that in this trailer we're going to make it more focused about tonality. We're going right. to make this for, more focused about the character. We're going to make it more focused about the plot. And yet I don't trust them 100% to say that that's what I'm going to enjoy about the movie. So – I don't care. I, I can think like, of a trailer that got me actually hyped for a movie. Okay, what's that? The the Watchmen trailer. With That's the honestly that was what pumpkin, I was going to say. The Smashing Pumpkin song in the back, the slow version. Oh yeah, yeah. that was phenomenal. But I was like, <laughs> I don't even see the movie. This was amazing. <laughs> so the big deal about that that makes a lot more sense to me about why the trailer kind of sets it up is because you have a direct comparison to the Watchmen book mm-hmm. about what you what you're there. And you already know, oh, they're going to do Watchmen. There's no way you can even fit that into a movie. You know, like you're already yeah, left you're, at a position yeah, that's where still not So they me. need to just kind of show you that hey, to me that that trailer was about coming out and saying, "Hey, I get Watchmen. See, you know, like and they, and they just left it at that. At, but it was done it was done like a, it was such great. a really well done mini movie with that music. Sure. It was perfect. It was it but. was it no, no. That trailer was absolutely fantastic and it was something that that definitely evoked uh, a couple minutes of entertainment and it evoked a response for me too like mm. the batman trailer i watched and i was like yep another batman movie what about the first Guess one i'll see it it's like first what trailer? are you on vengeance and he starts punching that dude i don't care it's a cool nuance like nirvana song are they are they going to touch on a stupid origin again with the dad and mom dying i, I don't care you're halfway out when when so. it was a um cover anyway because yeah. sean's not yeah. super yeah. into the covers <laughs> but no, so I, am I going to knock over it? No, I, that's that's my point. It's the problem with it's just there to me. Yeah, yeah. I, the, I don't hear you guys knocking it at all. I just kind of like, eh, it's it, it happened. I'm trying <laughs> to I'm trying to also think of the trailer that well, turned me off about a movie. Yeah. And there's not a lot of that out there. I know there is one that's in the back of my head, but you know, I've sure yeah. I've <laughs> recently discovered I have no memory. So, yes. you know, but um, it's it's just you know, will I watch this? Yeah, sure. Course, yeah. I yeah, I'll see it and all this. I'm well, taking you guys. So and my my my, yeah. my buddy Vic loves trailers. Yeah, just like Zach. Yeah, lives <laughs> those guys make me those look like I don't like anything. <laughs> so getting inundated because they will send me messages about this stuff, and they'll be like, "Oh my god, did you see this trailer? Oh my god, did you watch this?" And they'll, like, they'll like yeah. send me the links to what I'm like, "Dude, I'm not watching this." <laughs> that I can also see that would kill to that too. <laughs> um, I will say that I'm excited about the acting talent within it, and uh, I hope they do good. Colin Farrell looks insane. It's a it's an interesting take on Penguin, kind of more mobster style, and it te- tends to work. Um, and then just the, the intimidating, um, if he doesn't come sweaty out of a couch, I don't know what uh, <laughs> that's, yeah, but that's, that, kind of that's my penguin. There's, there's something, <laughs> hashtag uh, not my penguin, not my penguin. <laughs> there's something about that little like charger looking Batmobile that looks like a scrapper. I just really enjoy it. So yeah. 
we'll we'll see. I'm very excited. That was most of the stuff that came from fandom, and uh, we'll go out in now. Let's talk about reviews. Review. Review. Yeah. Like so comics. Comics. Uh, I think we're gonna do comics, but I want to take like five ten minutes about. Um, we all saw a movie together too. Oh. Uh, did we? We did. Yeah. We we actually hosted this film. Uh, we hosted the Eternals, and I was wondering with no if, trailers. With, yeah, which was we found out no too. trailers. Yeah, he comes up to ask me because I've been working with uh, the was gentleman. Was it you that decided I, the no trailers? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the gentleman. We were given Regal the option <laughs> down on 16th Street Mall, and uh, he's like, "We go, we go in there." You know, he's like, I've, "Well, you told you first. I have really bad news." Yeah, they they had set us up in one theater, and the projector had uh, developed a problem that day where yeah. there was like a, the glowing sun in the middle yeah. washing out everything, and they're like, "We need to get this work done." <laughs> so we moved you over theater. to this theater, and we're like. Okay, yeah, we're just right. here to watch the movie, you know. That's like it. we're gonna get, still see it tonight. I like, think. Yeah. yeah, I think. I think Jason. Jason Sills is the person who actually um, reached out to us and said, yeah. "Hey, he's mm-hmm. a he's a district manager over at uh, Regal Cinemas." Yep. Uh-huh. And he was like, kind of handheld this whole thing oh, to make absolutely. sure that we were oh, yeah. taken care of. Well he, done. He, he well done, like, Jason. He, he was like, "Do we, do you guys want to have artists? Do you guys want to do this?" Guys, I'm like, "No, dude. We're just gonna we go just low key. want to watch a movie. <laughs> we're, we're gonna go low key. We're gonna have seats. This is our first want to come. We're gonna fill this out." I don't want to have the you know the dog and pony show going. On. I don't care about any of that. And he's like, "Well, do you want to get up in front of everybody and say something?" I'm like, "No, no. they all know me. <laughs> yeah, everybody knows what we're doing here. It's fine." And then he goes, "Okay, well, do you do you want trailers?" I'm like, "I have an option." He goes, "Yeah, we don't have to play trailers." I'm like, "I love you." I, then I don't want any trailers. <laughs> I'm going to fight for trailers for everyone he else. Goes, <laughs> he goes, you got them I, at I home. Said, I said, you mean I can cut out like. 20 minutes of my life that's wasted every time I have to watch these stupid trailers. Sweet. No trailers. Just start the movie. And that's exactly <laughs> that's what, what he did. Again, you can so watch happy. your trailers at home. We could. We and could. then we got out of there earlier. We did. That was better. It was It was definitely better since I did the 24 of it it's, afterwards. It's funny. I, yeah. I walk in the theater. I'm like, no trailers. And everybody's like, what? Why Is, is that why it's so quiet in here? I was like, yes. yes. <laughs> that's exactly it. But this then there was a amazing. movie. So let's talk about the movie. Uh uh, what did you think about the film? And it, for now, let's keep it spoiler free so people can. So that point out. where no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I personally liked the movie a lot. I liked it a lot. I was surprised lot. they used the Marvel logo. But... Oh shit! <laughs> oh, no spoilers. Oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I liked it a lot. I really enjoyed the movie. I liked the character build. I liked the mm. way it was paced. Um, I there wasn't really much that turned me off about the movie, honestly. And I, 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 I can understand where people would have complaints because. In this day and age, there's a lot of people that can't handle nuance or subtlety. Okay. And they can't handle, like, the length of that movie. There's people that have very small attention spans, and they're not going to be able to sit through what was in that movie. So I get why people wouldn't understand or like it. Right. If you don't, if you don't, if you're not comfortable with just sitting back and enjoying a movie, it might not be for you. Okay. Like, if you didn't, if you had a hard time sitting through Dune, you might not like this movie. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Well, I think I think it's I think it's detriment is also an asset. Mm-hmm. Um, the detriment being that while this is completely a Marvel movie, it's completely in the Marvel universe. Yes. It establishes where it's Jack at. Kirby characters. These are all real characters and all this. It's not tied to anything that you have already developed or right. put together. So you have no frame of reference to say, oh, you know, it fits here, it does this, whatever, and all this. They make, and this was in the trailer, so it's not a spoiler, they make a reference to the to the Thanos snap. Yes. So it's, yes, a, it's obviously yeah, so you can story post, post snap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because of this, they turn around and leave you in an, you know, like, 
you just all these characters you you need to get the development of those characters and i enjoyed the the story trick that they used to be able to tell the tale and give you a little bit of history a little bit of that without making the story you know just so dry right and i liked it a lot i think i think this movie was well put together i think this was had a great plot to it had a great way of telling story it wasn't the director didn't the director win an oscar this last year Oh, like for that. something previously? Yeah, like for the See, I don't pay last year or something. Well, somebody details. just told me that today. That, that so. could actually and be I, I could, would I'm like, make okay, sense. Okay, I get yeah. it. I get why you won. For, <laughs> yeah. It is a good movie. You tell a well a well done story. So. Yes, it is a good movie with a good plot and good acting and. Well, if good you want characters. cinematography like Richie does, yes, it's got it, it in space. And I, so. I'm just gonna I'm gonna triple down in the fact that I did really thoroughly enjoy this movie. Uh, I agree with Keith's concept of that it is a Marvel movie, but it doesn't kind of go through the steps of being Marvel, and it's more like when you first watched Iron Man or even your first Guardians of the Galaxy push um, where there's no reference. You don't have a reference. They're building everything here. Mm. Um, and to Sean's point, uh, I think that one of the things that we all have a really hard time to do, especially with trailers and especially in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is to go into a movie without expectation, without under like a, an idea of how this is supposed to go in your head or the story you heard uh, versus what we're actually being presented. Um uh, Feige, who runs everything, had this conversation about Spider-Man. Spider-Man that's coming out, everybody's got all these speculations about what's going to happen, who's going to be where, what's this going to be, and he had to come out and say, hey guys, I think that speculation is amazing and it really builds, but it also can kind of lock you into an idea that you think this should be, and yeah, when you don't get you it delivered, the story in your head. you kind of come up with some disappointments. Yeah. And, and there is a fine line between understanding what you want in a movie versus what you're presented and how the compromise between the two, but there is a totally different thing when you're like, no, this is the movie that should have happened. Is a, It's a very bad way to go into a film. Um, this I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> well, that's terrible. And I'm going to throw this out here, and yeah. people are probably going to hate me for it. But Star Wars Fire fandom is very <laughs> toxic for that reason. <laughs> well, yeah, there, it's definitely that. It's, it's such a division in Star Wars fans that what they expect and what they want compared to what they're presented. Right. They they think that they've already written the story in their head, and it may, maybe it doesn't well, go that you, way. You maybe the to, way the yeah. artists are presenting it is going to be something different. And you have to put the, their story. Yeah, that's kind of the so. concept is you have to put the idea that for a long time Star Wars mythos was created by the fans. They were doing it because there was nothing else, and then we got books, and then we got all these things, and everybody kind of started handshaking and agreeing like this is the this is the story, this is the tale, and then. And it's because they fervently <laughs> and then, wanted more. Right. And they then, wanted more than just right. the first three movies. So then someone went, all right, we're going to give you more. But if it doesn't fit those 20 years of us kind of making up our own stories. Yeah, yeah but you, yeah, the how many yeah. years of people <laughs> right. making up stories and you divide that by how many divisions <laughs> of people that are thinking yeah. what they're thinking. Yeah. You can't, there, there's you can't. no way in hell you're right. going to please every every fan for On that. On this film, um, for me, I think there was a grand scale story to tell and it was going to be really, really hard to do well. And I thought that, Everything that I wanted out of that film or everything that I thought could go wrong did not go wrong. And it told a succinct story in a very convoluted level of Marvel. Mm -hmm. We're in a very epic scale of Marvel. It's it's yeah, when you start getting into the cosmic stuff. Opera. Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of yeah. exactly that. Space and opera. Guardians does space, but they don't really do space opera where this is um, Guardians really stays focused and like problems happen around them, but there's no like consequence. Like nowhere shows up, and you're like, "What does that mean? What's a celestial head?" Where here they go, "No, no, we'll explain all of that. We'll tell you what yeah. a celestial oh, doing and what He's that big. means." <laughs> so, um, so for me, that was good. All right, let's talk about comics. You guys got a few comics we we checked out. Um, 
I think I'll have Keith go first. Well, and for our weekly review, mm-hmm. uh, I read uh, DC's Dark Knights of Steel. And yes. Fair's Fair, I read this several weeks ago when it was on order. Mm-hmm. And then I started um, turning around and really pushing it. Yes. Because uh, what I found in a, in a tale here um, was nice. something I, I was... I meant to read that, and of course it didn't. It so. was so enjoyable. It was, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it is... So it's Tom Taylor um, and uh, Yasmin Putri uh, on the interior arts. Uh, the... Your tale is this: is you you exactly get kind of a an else world idea, and and I'm going to give you guys. <laughs> this was given to me from from a customer after I described it to them, and then they they're like, oh, "I understand it to be this," and I was like, "Oh my god, you gave me the perfect example about this." I first okay. tried to talk about this as like deceased, but yet like medieval times, King Arthur kind of thing, right? You know, yeah. like it's another alternate world. We get to play with everybody differently, but elements change and so stories different and all this do you know what, what the uh, the customer told me what they say is i'm that, interested is it like dc 1602 yeah. <laughs> see that's that's my how brain, perfect yeah, is that great. my brain went to that as well and i haven't read yeah. it yet yeah yeah 100% perfect that's the quickest synopsis that you could turn around and do on this mm-hmm. is that you're talking about a a time shifted tale of all of our heroes starting up again and what their lives are like at that point in time and even four pages into it is a monumental Shift. change yep. as far as as far as whose um, story is what has changed in all this. Right. So I'm showing the one page to Sean and all this. I'm pretty sure you can figure out who those two characters are that are not normally Where in DC are. stories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not at that point in time, but. Um, it turns around and gives you. Uh, it, it gets to use, you know, the the knighthood ideas, and it gets to use that type of stuff, and and uh, uh, you know, feudal class and things like this. The thing I enjoy about this, especially with knighthood and things like that, is knights tend to lead themselves to kind of like superheroes and stories, and uh, like like the Dark Knight and like the Black Knight are very this kind of same thing to me. It. it adds to it it just there's a flair to it that i really enjoy and it sinks really well what i like seeing most in a story like this is to turn around and to take your characters into a different example a different time period and are they still at the core the same type of character right the idea is like we talk about it you know everybody's had that little well if i was born into a different time what would i what would i be what yes. would i have focused on what would i have pursued what would have been my my, you know, my, my path in life. Mm-hmm. Would you have tried to be in this time? Would you have tried to be a squire or a knight? Would you have tried to be the court gesture? Would you, you know, what was the role that you were going with inside those societies kind of idea? Well, not losing who you are. So if you're going to turn around and paint Batman into a role, <laughs> right. well, he better still feel like at the core, you know, he believes in the same things that Batman today believes right. in. Otherwise, call him a different character. Yeah, he's, he's someone else. He's yeah. not Batman. And so far, this the first issue is very light on some of the other people. It's yes. very, you know, you can see very quickly Batman and Superman mm-hmm. ideas like that. It's a little lighter on the other stuff, but none of it's out of place. Nope. And again, it's Tom Taylor. Yes, it so is. So we have complete faith in him turning around. And writing an alternate world. Yeah. It's, it's, he, if he has improved himself with the amount and deceased on how far he can stretch a character while still keeping the core mm-hmm. aspects there, I, I don't know anyone that's done more work with that. With Injustice and Deceased mm-hmm. and now Dark Ages on the Marvel end, the man knows the voice, the core voice of a character 
And it's great because you see him in these examples really pulling the extremes out. Like, how far can I really take the idea of this character and and pull it in to the, the very end? Scenario. Yeah, before I snap that rubber band and it doesn't look like anything you've ever seen. Um, uh, but with that talent, he's able to take on Nightwing, for instance, and uh, lock into that voice and keep him within his own continuity in, in a way that we've never seen before. But it's not nearly as extreme as, like, say, this dark... Knights of Steel is. So I just, I'm fully 100% in. I didn't have to read it to know I'd like it, but I'm super happy I, I, I did um, to make sure everybody else uh, doesn't lose faith in this this story. Uh, it delivers four and a half buns. Four and a half buns. Great. Great. Um, I will go next. Um, I have DC's Human Target, Tom King's new 12-part maxi. Um, this is done by Greg Smallwood. It fits kind of in the same mythos of his Rorschach or Strange Adventures. Uh, Tom King, I think, has found his niche in writing where it's a succinct story told over the year. And honestly, I am down to do this every year. They're called maxi-series. Yeah. So when you're talking about anything that's like 8 to 12 issues, Mm -hmm. it's not a mini-series. It's a maxi. Maxi, yep. Yep. And And, so... And to me, like, he's found his niche there where, like, him telling a maxi seems like it's really... Uh, it, it's he, the way he tells tales. I think it works very well, and he's managed to hit incredible artists every single time he does this. So um, everything about this book is phenomenal. It's again uh, early, and the thing I will, and I think any Tom King reader will agree with me, is he's a slow burner. He's not going to give you, unlike Tom Taylor's first issue, where there's a lot of t- twists and turns, massive amounts of setup, yeah. where you almost feel like you get a whole story in one book. Tom will basically set up his world and then give you one hardcore twist at the end to carry you into the next issue. Um, and that kind of reminds me a little bit of like Robert Kirkman. Uh, Kirkman was like a mixture of the two. Uh, he would have issues that would go on, yeah, crazy. Depends on where he wanted but to go. For with the it. most part, he loved giving you that big splash page at the end and go, we'll see next month. And <laughs> <laughs> and that's King's, King's mode here. Uh, for those of you that don't know Human Target, he is Chris Chance. Uh, this gentleman... After uh, tragedy befell his family, he found out that he lost the capability of feeling fear. Uh, and with that capability, he decided to kind of go a la Batman and train himself um, through martial arts and uh, concepts like that to help other human beings not ever have to feel fear like his family did when um, the tragedy struck them. Uh, so what he does is he provides a service where he will kind of espionage style become a character or you and then put himself in the dangerous situations um, to find out either the a mystery or um, prevent uh, like a sabotage on you. In this case, in the Tom King story, Human Target, it feels like uh, Lex Luthor has some problems with the Justice League International mm. and... Um, something threatened his life and without giving any spoilers away, um, Lex needs help and he's not sure who is the villain in this and it's not Lex. So, uh, and your main character here also gets a timer placed on him. Yes. So that's a big elemental thing inside. This is that there, the, the story has, has an obvious arc and an obvious timetable to it. And uh, that should help progress and tell the, the yeah, tale. keep that story real succinct so mm-hmm. um the first issue is just as good as anything else i've ever read for king i give it a four out of five buns if you liked rorschach if you like strange adventures if you're well, still the, reading bat cat good for the you color palette on this is really interesting too it is isn't it it's really yeah. kind of cool yeah I, I i'm loving it um 
I definitely think you should be on it, so don't miss out. Spinning the Rex. Da, da, da. That was that was. <laughs> it was and it's time. Yeah, Sean doesn't have anything. Sean this doesn't week. have anything this yeah. week, so I guess it's time to spin the Rex. <laughs> spinning the Rex. Hurtful. Da, da, da. Da, da, da. Spinning the wrecks. Maybe a blindside setup. <laughs> maybe. maybe. I don't think I played it off well. <laughs> yeah, maybe a blindside funny. setup. Funny. It's funny. So t- <laughs> I knew it was happening. Sean? I knew it was happening. All right. So for today's topic. How are you doing, Richie? I'm doing great. Thanks. Uh, today's topic is. Um, Another focus on a creator. We've done um, Tom Taylor. We've done a ton in the first volume of our podcast. Um, today we are going to talk about a protege, um, someone taking the reins from you know his dad and kind of doing his own thing. Uh, that person is Joe Hill. Who? Joe Hill. So Joe. I Hill. never heard of Dad Joe, Hill. Joe, yeah, Joe Hill. Joe is, Hill is awesome. He is awesome. Super who's, cool guy. Who's too. Dad Hill? Dad, Dad Hill, Hill goes by the name Stephen King. Oh, I thought it was Stefan. Stefan, no, Stephen <laughs> King. Um, Steppen. For those yeah, that Stephen King. for those don't that don't know that Joe Hill is the son of Stephen King. Uh, he uses Joe Hill to kind of pull himself away from the shadow that is the great Stephen King and all his writing. Though, if you look at their works, it's not like. <laughs> The apple fell far from the tree. No. Well, they look almost exactly alike, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you'd be a stunt double, and you wouldn't know. No, um, there's a little age difference. Joe, a tiny bit. <laughs> Joe came into the comic books world, um, and I feel like he's he's placed a um, a stance here that will be kind of respected. It will be here for a long time, and I think that he's respected in this industry, not as some, like, celebrity coming in and telling a story, but actually an actual mover of comic book tales. Um, where was your guys' first exposure to Joe Hill? Do you remember? Yeah, I, I mean, do. mine was Lock and Key. Okay. For 100% there. It was, uh, uh, I got into it later. Mm-hmm. Um, I got in probably, I want to say it was volume three-ish. Okay. It's going to be somewhere in that area. Uh, and that had to do just with where it was. Like I think, it, I think what happened is that we had opened the store and it had come back for volume three, mm-hmm. and people are like, "Oh," and Sean's like, "Oh, it's so good, you got it." Oh, it's so good, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, really? Is it? Is it good?" <laughs> I'm like, "It's like, oh yeah, you know, it's really good horror." And I'm like, oh, "I don't like horror, right?" And I'm but not, it's not one hundred percent just like slasher horror. It's anymore. not horror. That's a, well, it's, it's psychological. It is. But. It is, and it's got horror elements. Mm-hmm. But the way he is, uh. uh an ability to tell a tale, the way he has ability to grow characters, the way he has ability also that in the middle of a horror story, you can just have a fun adventure. Yes. You know, again, you get to, to head games, um, specifically the head key and all this. And that's oh, yeah, not, yeah. that's not, it's, it's a strange and frightening experience. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. But yet the way it goes, you're like, this is kind of, you know, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory kind of horror. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's, <laughs> you know, a great, that's a great example of it. Because, I mean, at one point, especially um, for those, I'm sure a lot of people uh, know Lock and Key from the Netflix show that is currently going on. Season two just dropped in October. Um, it is, they, they have a scene where someone goes into the head and it's a full-blown candy. <laughs> it's a <laughs> it's candy shop, you know, but all her memories are the gumballs and things like that. But, mm-hmm. um it's a great example of the difference uh, difference in that one genre. Like horror feels like a very blanket statement of what he provides, where I see is definitely eerie and suspenseful and very mm-hmm. like moody. 
um, works. He's really good at creating a, a mood and a feeling of uncomfortable, even in a jovial way. Uh, lock and key being the greatest example of that with um, the kids. Uh, the mm-hmm. kids are the ones that know and understand the magic. And as they get older, you, you, you forget. forget. Yeah. You don't know that it exists anymore. Even if you've seen the event happen, yeah, like you in just, five minutes, it's gone. You're just like, well, it didn't It's happen. a little Peter so, Panish. A little yeah. bit, yeah. yeah. But it's crazy to see that and um, and how that works. Um, <clears throat> Sean, what about you? When did you first hear about Joe Hill? Creep Show. Creep the Show. The movie. Okay. Okay. <laughs> he's a little boy in the narration. Yes, just not knowing about him, just because he's there. That's <laughs> the just first saying. Time saw I've seen him. him. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> yeah, I actually because I got to go to a, like a meet and greet for the book Full Throttle when he was putting that out um, in 2019, which was really cool. And I actually didn't realize he was the little boy in Creepshow until he brought it up at that meet and greet. Oh, okay. So he was like, oh, yeah, I was in Creepshow. And it was really cool hanging around with all these adults and doing all this crazy stuff. And, you know, this is what I did. And then I watched my dad and emulated, wanted to emulate my dad. I didn't want anybody to know I was Joe Hill, so I wrote this. And I wish for the life of me I could remember what. But like Keith, I am suffering massive memory problems. <laughs> I am um, dealing with both you seniles. not great. <laughs> no. But he mentioned some books that I know – like I know he wrote the Nosferatu and he wrote he yes. wrote the Cape I think is actually the first thing I read by the him. Cape oh yeah I think that was before um, was Cape before? Key. I think it was so uh, explain mm-hmm. what but that Cape would technically be see and I don't remember what the hell that was, but I read I it think so long no ago, I think Cape was second uh, was it I do think Cape was second I know I know he dipped his toe into some books before Lock and Key definitely but Lock and Key hit. Yes, like Lock and mm-hmm. Key hit like a like a freight train. So. Oh no, no, then that became the monster, monster. Yeah. I I, I, I want to say Nosferatu was before that as well. And potentially they but wrote that wrote the book is, on that. Yeah. Nosferatu's real close. In my brain, all yeah. those are dancing really close to the same <laughs> time because he was putting out a few things and he was trying to see. He even said, "I am amazing at coming up with concepts and I am amazing at the elevator pitch." But if you want me to finish something, oh man, I'm not your guy. You know what? I <laughs> so, which I thought was. Highly amusing. I 100% believe that because every story <coughs> that I've ever heard about Joe Hill, the elevator pitch is so easy. It's, it's yeah, for never... him, he's like, hey, I got this great concept for this book. Because mm-hmm. I, I read the book Heart Shaped Box that he wrote, which is very much a horror book. So Heart Shaped Box is the start. So I'm looking it up right now so that we that can was, speak That was the first book I read by him. That's that's 2007 for him. So And that was a, and that's going to be book. before Lock and Key. Yeah, that was a good mm-hmm. book. And which started in 08. Uh, he had st- short stories and stuff like Century Ghosts and Strange Weather. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's he's definitely one thing very similar to his dad and all this. He can produce a lot. Oh, yeah. He, he can he, create a lot. He poop out stories like no other. Yeah. We, he know George R.R. R. Martin. He doesn't contemplate and take his time with each thought and concept. <laughs> no, he's 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 jumping in, he's he's delivering and he's putting it out there. And again from a very be, from a very early point, um he's delivering at a high level, right? I mean that that's that's a big key about this is because you're probably talking about there's a lot of times that somebody can nitpick uh, a writer's earlier career mm-hmm. and and say, "Oh, well they got better and sharper with this." You know, like they got introduced some ideas that really improved this. Mm-hmm. But from a very early stage in this, his stuff is seen as as high quality. Yeah, yeah. Lock, Lock and Key was actually like the next year following Heart Shaped Box. Yeah, yeah. So, yep. It's funny because I read Heart Shaped Box because uh, our friend Keith Krauss mm-hmm. said, oh, "Hey, yeah. you might like this" because we were doing book club stuff at the time. Mm-hmm. So he handed it off to me, and I, I read it, and I still had no idea that Joe Hill was <laughs> until Stephen Lock and King Key came King. out. 
And I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. <laughs> That's why this book is like this. The cape seems to be about a story of a guy that used to be a superhero, is 20 years old, he's burned out, uh, he lost his girlfriend and job, but with his magical cape, he has the ability to fly. Yeah, okay. so he had, the cape, yeah, he had yeah. the cape as a kid. Right. And that and did come after Lock and Key. So. Yeah. He had the cape as a kid and all this, and, and then kind of when, when life burns out, the cape comes back into his life, to and it becomes an idea. Next, yeah. Yeah. How Stella and got her groove back. Yeah. <laughs> Although the end of issue four is probably a little different than what you would be expecting. Okay. I don't. You, I now I've got to read this. You speak as if you, oh, I he doesn't know this. what happens. I have no idea. I haven't read Cape. Oh, it's. It's been oh, 12 years since I read two, that book. It was 2005 or something. Don't you remember the end of yeah. four? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're both looking at me like. <laughs> and then there was a follow like up, to... 1969, I believe. Yeah, it's called correct. Cape 1969. Yeah. So I'm sure it's a, earlier than even the first character's story. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm immediately you, reading this. So, uh, uh, so how, about, how about this? Was an early <laughs> Cape uh-huh. and Mark Miller's Nemesis. Oh, okay. okay. That I've it's, read. It's dark. Okay. Well, it can I get pretty can dark, dark about this cape. <laughs> yeah. It's not it's not happiness. <laughs> okay. All right. Interesting. Um so cape and things like that. Locking key comes in and then blows everything out of the water. Oh yeah, and then he, everybody well actually I think everybody even to this date still doesn't know who Joe Hill is. Yeah, they don't know that he's It's really interesting. But it was about halfway kinda, through the first the first run of Co- uh, Lock and Key it really became a big public thing. I know that when we I'm, I'm even talking to people now like I mm-hmm. tell people still to this day, mm-hmm. "Hey, you should read Lock and Key." And they're like Who's Joe Hill? Yeah, uh, okay. I get that too, and I would <laughs> I would argue that um, it was two years ago. I think we're gonna fast forward to uh, Joe Hill's um, Hill House for yeah. DC Comics. That was a big push, and that's really well, that's, he talked a lot about that right when I was at the the meet and greet for yeah. Full Throttle, mm-hmm. correct? And and we, he we, I had just got the PDS, and then while he was talking, I looked him up and I read him real quick <laughs> for Basketful of Heads <laughs> nice, one and two, nice. and then I went out and went up to me and I was like, hey, these were really good. He goes. <laughs> How the hell did you read those? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a retailer. I'm a comic book retailer, and they sent me PDFs. He's like, oh, it's awesome. You like them? I was like, yeah, we'll be able to sell it just fine. Yeah. And he's like, that's so cool. Do you want a picture? I'm like, yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. And Sean was supposed to make a good contact that day. Yeah. Joe Hill Sean's, right here, Sean's guys. Oh, real <laughs> bad about making good contact. Because I meet these people, and I'm like, hey, man, it's really cool. Yeah, I'm glad you like doing stuff. And then I'm like, bye. See ya. <laughs> Instead of, hey, come yeah. stop by a store. We'll love to have yeah. you. Um, yeah, don't even. So actually, no, I did actually give him my business card. Yeah, I we, did. Yeah, we but did. He's been waiting by his phone. I'm sure since. he has. <laughs> I'm sure he has. I uh, do think that there was a complication over the last uh, two, two years. Two years? <laughs> yeah, was it feels like there might have been stuff to bring people out. But. Um, but I will say that that was really when I started to get to know Joe Hill. I had known that Joe Hill was not, he was Stephen King's son, and I hadn't really dove into Lock and Key it was you well, how guys, much Stephen King stuff did you read before a ton. This? My mom okay. was crazy. I didn't know because yeah. some people have read a bunch and some people haven't read hardly any. So. I I was read it was read to me because my mom was an insane Stephen King fan. So that's Dorbs. Yeah. So I a lot of the books I could I see had, rocking little four year old Richie to sleep <laughs> to Pet Cemetery. Yeah. Sure. Was, why not? Yeah. That Christine <laughs> happened a lot. And yeah. It was, it was bad. Um, it was the worst. That was the worst one. But uh, reading wise, uh. Film-wise, I, I was really messed up by The Shining, but I was also weirded out because it wasn't really like the book. So I was like, what's well, going on? I think in the early days of Stephen King's career, he let people, you know, option his stuff. Uh-huh. And then he was like, yeah, cool, I just made a bunch of money. That's And then he would see these movies later and go, what the hell? He still has... <laughs> yeah, I think the no, worst now one he was Sleepwalkers. Well, now he actually oh, no, makes Lawnmower sure he Man. has something to do with everything. Right. <laughs> Lawnmower everything. Man was probably the worst. It was, yeah, that was a real <laughs> like, not good movie. Off- I actually... Forgot 
about that movie until you said Lawnmower <laughs> you Man. You just brought it back. Look at him. He's all sad. So I know, exa- <laughs> I know exactly what that movie is. It's, you just I, re- I read a lot of King and, and definitely. Well, I would, that was one of his short stories, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. It was so, in, yeah. It uh, wasn't, monkey, it wasn't Seasons. Uh, it was. Uh, monkey Shine. Monkey Shine. Yeah, it was one of the other ones. Yeah. Because Seasons were like the four long ones. Like, I think Running Man was in Seasons, wasn't it? Yes, uh, that sounds right. Something like that. Something like that. I don't know. But yeah, it, it's a twelve. <laughs> it's literally a twelve-page story where the the um, the local lawnmower guy like controls the lawnmower by his mind, but he also like runs behind it, eating the grass as it mm-hmm. clips it up, and the gopher pops up, and the thing swerves and hits the gopher, and he just like eats the gopher too, <laughs> and then the guy like paying him like, gets freaked out about this, yeah. and like oh I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, and then all of a sudden there's a knock at the door, boom boom, and there's a flying lawnmower that mm-hmm. eats him. Like, yeah, that was that was the story, and then that's not. No. They made what a, happened. They made a full blown cyberspace. Film. Pretty sure. <laughs> a pretty full sure film that, on uh, they used Stephen Job. King they used one name. In was on massive amounts of cocaine. Yeah. I, yeah. Wrote that. <laughs> I don't know how else you get there. Well, that to be fair, Lock and Key also adds to that kind of like, are they on cocaine? No, I can. I definitely. No. Don't, I don't think they're on drugs. I just think no, their minds are not. going I'm a just million miles a minute. So no. So Lock and Key also, in comparison to a lot of other weird stuff that sure. King did. You know, Joe Hill has has really developed a a grounded function for his characters. Yes. So you take some some weird stuff that's out there, and, and some Stephen King things, and some weird ideas, and and you know, you you they seem so far fetched, but I think that a lot of Joe Hill's characters seem like real world people that could be experiencing this or are fractured because of uh, a trauma yes. or anything like that, and it all just it feels. Very natural. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that Stephen King doesn't do that, because there's several other stories. I mean, I love oh, Dark yeah, Tower. Yeah. That's that's my favorite Dark run of, of books yeah. ever. And that, when you take it for what it is, feels like natural. And they killed it with idea. that movie, too. That was great. Oh, never yeah. mind. That was just good. <laughs> uh-huh. Go back into Joe Hill. Joe Hill. So Joe Hill. <laughs> so <laughs> Spinning the racks. I deserve that. Yeah. You're that. Joe- <laughs> so... Uh, like I said, I fell into it when Hill Comics started coming out, Hill House Comics, and uh, that was DC basically going, Joe, if you work with us, we'll give you your own imprint, and you can have full control over your it. Your new vertigo. <laughs> yeah, you can do whatever <laughs> you want. Um, well, it, there, there it is. DC's trying to replicate something that had the uh-huh. success level of Vertigo. It makes a lot of logical think, sense to I pick think you up. You need a Karen Berger for that to be. Successful. We've been over this, yes. No, I think I think if you're going to be totally fair to Vertigo, Vertigo um, hits at a perfect point in Apex like where it, no, it definitely does. But Ber- I think Berger needed, does it. You needed somebody to sit there and hold hands. But and you also needed it too. you needed, you needed an, somebody that was working that garden, man. You needed an opportunity so. that wasn't being used. And so the idea is, is that she opens the door. Karen creates this idea of using these authors, right? Real, yeah, especially a lot high of level writers, European authors that yeah. we didn't know about here. Obviously, right. tons of UK but guys in there, and to use them. This could be its own podcast. Yeah, we we we, we actually <laughs> have that podcast. <laughs> Pretty sure we've already done. Yes, that done. was twenty yeah. years ago. I don't remember that. <laughs> it was in vol- It was in volume one. So you have to but, go back to that. But the point being is that today it's very tough to turn around and say, "Oh, we're you know right now there's a resurgence of uh, well there's a surgeon." of um, the Hollywood crea- creators is, yes. coming into comics. Ralph Macchio, oh, yeah. John Leguizamo, Keanu Reeves. Um, yeah. Uh, what's her, what's her Emily name? Clark. Thank you, Emily yeah. Clark. So there's an area there that can be, right now everybody just you know completely accepts it, whereas 
what what got built with with uh, Vertigo had to kind of you know like everybody had to still be convinced on every step of the way, and that's yeah. what Karen did, and mm-hmm. she brought it to the table. Right. What Joe gets to do with Hill House in in this is he just gets a cultivated area of horror comics. Yes. And this is what he gets to do. Well, and, and think about now all the way back. You've got a kid who grew up because his dad his dad's on Creep Show, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's got the 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 you know he's, what, he's kind of surrounded by it. The DNA to do this. Yeah. 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 And then it's natural to him. Yeah. But he's also probably I, I cannot imagine in his life that he did not try to get into his hands on everything EC that he could ever get oh, yeah, and joke. have all that. Especially it's, after being on Creepshow, I'd, I'd yeah. be like hunting that stuff down. <laughs> yeah. It's just so obvious that where where a passion is, that that's what he cares about and that's where this is going and all this. And so he gets to, to create this. So he gets to, to work with, with people he gets to know and friends that he gets to have faith in their chops and their abilities. Yeah. He even gets to write one of his own books, Basketful yeah. of Heads, is, is his work. Great. Yep. But everything else there is other creators. Yeah, and even and what I wanted to get to is where he's at now. He has Lock and Key. He has a bunch of stuff that's being produced. He has DC Hill House's imprint, and um, the newest uh, DC Hill House just dropped as a refrigerator full of heads. And the really interesting part is he's not writing it. Oh, he's getting the, he, he has found somebody else that he trusts in about doing this, mm-hmm. and he's turning around and letting them go with it. Right, and it works really well. Uh, and, and the story, he already set all the the concrete, the foundation's laid, and now we can just tell these stories that are really cool and intricate. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about uh, Joe Hill being in the comics book world. He's just teamed in, uh, up with uh, Neil Gaiman's Sandman, and those two married together, Lock and Key and Sandman, were insane. Um, it seems crazy, but seems almost just fitting. works right too. It's just crazy. Um, Those types of people are going to have faith in each other's abilities. Oh yeah, and that's where that, a lot of that. Comes and I think from. it says a lot. If Neil Gaiman's going to stand by you, that that says something, mm-hmm. and you should respect that. So if you're out there wondering what the next thing you should pick up, I would suggest Joe Hill Comics Hill House DC's imprint. Yeah. And hopefully, or Lock and Key. Lock that's and not key. that's not DC. You should do imprint. Lock and Key. That, if you yeah. haven't done Lock, didn't you guys do, do Lock, Lock and Key, key as a Book club we book? did, yeah, it was a book club book. Absolutely, so you would have read that before you read the uh, Hill House stuff. Yes, I correct. Okay. I did. Yeah, but either way, you guys should read it too. We're gonna get out of here. We have a book club to do. We got all sorts of stuff to do, so we're gonna get out on that. Thank you for listening to us. Until then, I'm Richie. I'm Sean. I'm Keith, and we'll catch you next issue.